All right, this is going to be the greatest inappropriate Earl ever. I've been trying to get this man on for a long time. You know, he's a busy guy, and uh, he's a late-night legend at the comedy store, does the audience warm-up for Jimmy Kimmel, and, and probably really my only true friend at the comedy store. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of bullshitters up there. And oh, yeah. Palmers and Gladhanders, you know. Don... Barris is the real deal. You know, you got to give him that. You know, you might not uh, appreciate his abrasiveness at times. I do, which is why we've always gotten along. I think in the five or six years we've known each other, we've never really had an argument. So please put your hands together for the creator, the most creative guy at the comedy store, you know, Windy City Heat, you got a sequel coming out, it had people fly all over the country to come to the Windy City Heat weekend, which, you know, I can't get people to go to Burbank for a show. This man is just a comedy, not just a comedy store uh, treasure, but a comic treasure in LA. Don Barris, thank you for coming. Oh, thank you, Earl. Thank you. And thanks for saying I'm your friend. I like that. Well, that's legit, man. Is I mean, well, I feel the same way. Hey, is your back hurting? Yeah, my back hurts. Sometimes I stand up and uh, quick shout out. If you noticed on, I have a pair of brass knuckles on the microphone. I, I did notice that. And that's for a big podcast you have coming up. I did. I'd like to thank my only sponsor, uh, Stephen Piercy. The Wait a minute. Did he tell you? To, that he's going to be your sponsor, or did he just give you those and you're claiming he's your sponsor? Well, you know, it's a fine line of, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to promote his uh, venture now that he's not singing in Rat. Um, he's not. He left the band because uh, he d can't stand the drummer, which I know you're in a band and you can't stand uh, the, the I former had a drummer. I've drummers before. So you, you and Piercy probably should have come in together. Uh, we draw different crowds, but it wouldn't have been bad. Yeah, but I think. You're like me. I appreciate um, music that I don't necessarily like. I, I still admire it. And although I wouldn't say you're like a rat fan, I think you would kind of be oh. jazzed talking to him. You know what? I'll tell you this. If you want my honest opinion, uh, there is, uh, let's call it the hair band era. Would you claim that rat would fit into that? Um, you know, by their own design. Uh, but, you know, when they first started, they were kind of heavy. Not, not like... Well, I'm not saying that they, they weren't heavy through the whole thing, I, but I just think that in that 80s realm, there seemed to be a lot of bands that had fancy-dancy hairdos, and a lot of bands became popular during that time, including Rat, with their big hit, Round and Round, what comes around goes around. I'll tell you why, why. See, no, I think that's a great song. And for that era in that genre, I think they're spectacular. I have nothing against Rat, but there isn't many types of music that I don't like. I mean, you are, without a doubt, the most knowledgeable person about music. I mean, I'm just knowledgeable about, for the most part, 80s metal, and that's it. You could talk about the Beatles, the Eagles, Kiss... You know, Backstreet Boys. I mean, you, uh, not you, much about the Backstreet. But you know what? I'll tell you this: what I actually did at one point, I really studied Billboard magazine. I really got into that, and I got into, you know, charted hits. And I think realistically, there's just a few bands that I really love to a point where I love every cut on an album. The Beatles being one. In my iTunes, 
I will edit out a lot of songs off albums. I will only take a couple songs from every album and I put it into a master uh, folder, but I will have every kind of hit, every kind of B-side that became popular. Anything that was popular by a band, I try to put in their folder in chronological order in my iTunes. You should sometime come by and look at my iTunes and maybe get some of it out of there. It would probably put mine to shame, you know. I've well, How many songs do you have? Uh, not that many, about 6,000. Yeah. How well, many do you have? I have like 52,000, <laughs> but I haven't even put everything in there yet. I'm st I had a real fuck up with my computer. I uh I one time was transferring and trying to back up things. And one time I backed up a external hard drive into another hard drive, but I should have taken the one, I mixed the hard drives up. I shouldn't have taken the one from the one and dropped it in there. And so I lost a lot of songs that I had put in there. And I was told by the people at iTunes that here's a way to get everything back in there. And I did it that way but it doubled and tripled every song. Right. And I can't just go through and delete everyone. I had to go through, actually take all the songs, take one song, put it in a folder, and then delete all three songs. Then put the song back. While it was playing, I couldn't do it any other way. While that song was playing, then I had to empty the trash, and then it would work. So it has been a pain in the fucking ass to reorganize my iTunes. And I still have to go through a lot of things to go. I mean, I can't. I've done that before, but not nearly. I'm just, you know, yeah. maybe on a hundred songs. But I mean, but the thing is, I have nothing against the type of music you like. I love the music that you like. I wouldn't go in deep and know every single track. Tell Stephen, I'm sorry, I don't do that. Well, I mean, but he has a great history. Like, you know, and I'm, I read no, his book. Well, I read his book. I mean, you know, he uh, started in San Diego, basically doing music open mics. He founded a band uh, and, you know, he saw Van Halen once at the Whiskey and he's like, we got to come up here. So he basically recruited, you know, some dudes, uh, you know, childhood friends. They came up here, lost a few guys. He added a few guys and, uh, you know, they would sit at the edge of the stage at the Whiskey and, and see Van Halen and go, this is what I want to do. And, you know, he did it. He got in at the whiskey because he gave David Lee Roth a joint. Really? And they struck up a friendship, and uh, he, he started fucking the booker at the whiskey. And uh, It's always a way? It's, well, I mean, I tell you, I don't know if you would enjoy the whole book, but for me, being a struggling comic or whatever I am, it uh, was neat to hear his stories, and I'm open to, well, all the bookers in this town are dudes, so I'm not are sure. They? Well, you have Tommy at the Comedy Store, uh, uh, Jamie at the Laugh Factory, Jamie at the Improv, uh, Bob at the Ice House. So I'm I'm not that desperate to fuck those guys. Well, that's probably pretty good. You well, probably get a bad reputation. It's one of the few benefits of family, uh, having a few family dollars in the bank account. I don't have to... Uh, I got to tell you something. Coming up here to the Kennedy Compound, <laughs> I'm a little disappointed. You're green TV, <laughs> and you can tell Stephen Percy's going to be here because you have two rat CDs on the table and his book right in between it. Well, how, many, how many albums did Rat put out? Well, here's the deal. The, the My configuration I have now is when Tawny Katane came in. You know, that's her on the both covers. That's is her really? leg. That's her leg. That's her on the Out of the Cellar album cover. And that is her leg on the EP. 
which is what got them signed to Atlantic Records. Really? And it was a great story, you know, uh, or interesting. Did you talk to her about that? She was awesome. I I bet you she was. She was, uh, the only thing she wouldn't talk about was OJ. Why? uh, You know, uh, I guess according to Dave Taylor, who set up the interview, I mean, I'm sure she uh, wouldn't have come down to my house, uh, you know, did Gail have anything to do with it? They became somewhat. Gail funny. was uh, here too because I thought that would be neat for Gail to right. uh, meet her childhood idol. Was it her childhood idol? Well, uh, maybe "idol" is a strong word. Uh, it is strong. Uh, you know, childhood. Uh, Someone she looked up to as right. a kid, and uh, so they got along great. They had a girls' weekend recently. Really, where, uh, Gail went to. Uh, Tawny's house and uh, her, you know where she lives and did did Gail fuck OJ? Um, it's possible, uh, probably. Not. So anyway, you were saying something about David Taylor. Was that one of the rules, the stipulations that she would come here, but she didn't want to talk about OJ? No, no, I brought uh, his name up. You know, I, I because it was really uh, the uh, genesis of hey, why don't I get Tawny Katane on this podcast? Was I was uh, had getting a new radiator. I'm walking down Melrose. I hit shuffle on my iPod, and I swear to God, that's a true story. And the rat song, Back for More, starts. Out of the thousands of songs I have, that starts. I look up, and I'm standing in front of the restaurant that the video was filmed in. Really? I, it's crazy. And I, as I walked in, after a very long drive uh, walk from the uh, mechanic's place, I turn on the TV, and the Here I Go Again video uh for White Snake, where she was doing the splits on the Jaguars. Now, turned, did she? Do, I, I wanted to so, ask you: Did she do any videos for Rat? Uh, she did. She was in um, uh, Back for More with, uh, which is a great video, and you would love it because it's shot all around the rainbow, the whiskey. They drive by the comedy store, um, you know, and Tommy Lee and um, Nikki Six are in it because. Uh, they were uh, roommates with Robin Crosby, who died of AIDS. So, but that was Tawny's first love. Oh, really? When she got up to leave, uh, where my Jack Lambert framed picture is now, right. was a, a beautiful picture of Robin Crosby. I mean, I'm as straight as a pole, man. But he was a good-looking dude. And she literally froze where I am right now and started crying. Really? And I gave it to her. Did you really? Yeah. She was so nice. I, you know, I mean, she. it's weird that you would think that, like, someone like you or me, you know, her, like, these big, here, you and I are big macho guys or whatever. And Hell yeah, I am. We probably have a first love that, you know, we still think about or, or you know, I don't know. Right. I know what you mean. It's like everybody goes to that. But do you consider yourself a macho guy? I mean, not macho like... Uh, you know, uh, you know. I'll tell you this. I got a chance to see you and uh, <laughs> with, let's say, the Gail incident. Does your audience know about Gail? Do you remember? Oh yeah, that? yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't uh, talk about like the breakup and stuff just because uh, I I won't do that. And I know I'm not saying you're asking she me. Uh, I would prefer her to be here. To, right. Exactly. You know. And I'm not talking about that at all. Oh, I, I know. won't do that. I was just. But what I'm saying is, I. I'm telling you that I saw you because you're kind of sometimes almost like a robot. You're a funny guy, but as far as things go, you're almost like an alien that has no emotions. And I finally got a chance to see some emotions. 
Well, that's the way I was raised, though. You know? Yeah, of course. My dad was, it's funny, my dad was RoboCop, basically. Just, was he? You know, uh, and my mom was uh, very, uh, had a lot of skeletons in her closet from her family life. So I was just raised to keep it all in. Really? It's funny when you say uh, RoboCop, one of the craziest things ever. And this is, uh, I've mentioned this in other podcasts, and that's the thing that's really tough about everybody having podcasts. And first of all, I didn't know that you'd wanted me to be on your podcast. Forever. Before. But I was embarrassed. To, Why would you ever be embarrassed? Because I know um, just through the last couple months of trying to get people down here, it's like, hey, I know you're busy. I mean, you're probably the busiest guy I know. You got to do the Kimmel thing four days a week. You got to do the comedy store basically seven days a week. So it's like, you know. You and just, I do the, I do, I have three podcasts. Right. And, you know, your movies. show. Uh, what's that? Your movies you're trying to get made. And, and, and trying to put all that together. But what are uh, your three podcasts? Just so uh, people who might not be familiar. Well, the big three podcasts. And if you're not familiar with that, that's the cast of uh, Windy City Heat, which is uh, kind of the thing that got me noticed. Jimmy Kimmel produced it uh, and it became kind of a cult type of thing that a lot of people liked, including a lot of celebrities, which was really nice because there's nothing better than to have a celebrity come up to you and talk about how much they like your movie or something like that. And that was really a thrill because a lot of cool people came up. And so we do that podcast still. That's coming towards an end. August 15th, we're shooting something that it'll be kind of the final scene possibly of uh, a movie, uh, a eight episode TV show, or maybe it's just a sizzle reel, but we're getting some kind of big celebrities that are going to be part of this and who knows where it's going to go, but we're just going to shoot something, see where that happens. So that era of the big three could be over. Uh, I've also got my simply Don podcast, which is just, you've been on that. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was really, and by the way, it was really a great show because not only talk about your family, but uh, Jordan was interesting on it. Telling us about, uh, uh, Jordan Lee, the great Jordan Lee. Jordan Lee, has he been on your show? Um, he was on an episode with uh, Danish and O'Neill where we did a UFC recap, but that was at the time where I only had two mics, so uh, he's he his, was kind of the a little muffled. Yeah, he uh, he came up with some great stories because he had been working with Shelly Winters, so she was telling us some. Oh, not she. He was telling us some stories that she had told him about Marilyn Monroe and things like that. So that whole show was really interesting. We talked music because I love all kinds of music. Anyway, so I got the Simply Don thing, and then we've got the Ding Dong Show. And that's a podcast, and we have them all lined up. Let's just say we're having a hard time with our current producer. Uh, uh, So we've got that going. I was asking you something about... Gail. No, but, but you see... Not really, Gail. I, I, I guess what I was going to try to point out, why would you be afraid to ask me? You literally, you know, something that I felt was really fun and really different and a great way to close the comedy store. And at one point, some of my best memories of the comedy store was when we there was a manager that never closed. And the comedy store was part gambling hall, <laughs> part band. And it was like, Maybe the best time ever at the comedy oh, store. Oh, it's like we'd do uh, the we'd BKO do f- for like four three hours. or four hours. And there, there'd be times where I was gassed and I'm in oh. shape. I mean, oh, yeah. And I'm not even mo- really moving. I mean. Right. It, it was just 
crazy fun. And it was, you know, and you came in and I started this thing and I was starting to have fun with it, but I was working with uh, Brody who claims to be positive, but there could be some negative sides to him. And it was hard to work with him. You came and took over the drums and you were there all the time. You made that thing happen. You made it happen. Well, so, you let me do it. So Yeah, but I'm just saying, if it wasn't for you, I couldn't do it myself. I could sing the songs, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. So you made it happen. And, and because of that, it became something really, really fun. It still is. It still is, but we don't do it as much. I do have to tell you, I'm going to write some new songs. <laughs> and uh, because when the guys come out, in August, I want to have some new material, some new songs for them. But like the guy from Pittsburgh who's in town now, that guy who looks like Palomalu. Right. What is his story? He's just a fan, comedy fan. And like he came last night and I think he's coming tonight specifically just to see the band. Yeah. So he had a real good time and he said some nice things on Facebook to me today. And it, it's just all in all, it's a fun time. But I'll tell you this, you're a big reason why. And at the beginning of the show, you talked about you know, there are a lot of fuckheads there. There's a lot of fucking guys. You turn your head, they'll stab you in the back. Oh, yeah. You're one of the guys that has been pretty fucking loyal. Oh, well, And you a know. pretty good guy. Absolutely. But as a whole, I could rattle off a bunch of people that aren't. Oh, yeah. But, you know. You know I'm not going to because you know what? They do their thing. And it's funny to watch them because I've been at the comedy store so long. You start seeing people, and they they may change names, and the people change, but they're the same type of person. The people that get they get a little something, they think, "Oh, I am on my way to stardom now," yeah, well, and it it never happens that way. Well, you know, you uh, I always say, uh, no matter what show you're on, it ain't going to be on the air forever. No, so. and you you got to start. Planning out how to do it. That's the reason I'm very happy you're doing the podcast. How long did I say you should do this? Oh, probably two years. But I was like, uh, you know, I don't know the technical aspects of it. So I must thank Ari Manis, who's another guy up there who gets it. He's uh, he's basically like the, a quieter red band. He's, he's really funny comic, but he's like very unassuming. He bought all the gear. Or did I mean, he really? I, I bought it. I just said, go on my Amazon account and just show me what I have to, you know, buy. And he bought everything. He hooked it all up. He showed me how to edit, what little editing I do. Right. You know, and... Uh, how do you edit? Well, basically, I, I don't edit the podcast. Like, from that intro to when right. I say, Don, thanks for coming. It's... I leave everything in. And then I put the music uh, provided by uh, Stevie Rochelle from Tough. Mm. Um, he's nice enough to give me... Because... Uh, I was worried about, uh, I think I heard you one night talking with, I think, Ari Shafir about, uh, Ari Shifer. Right, okay. Um, he's one of the Jewish Jews. Jewish guy ran to China to try to make it in show business. Them Jews. Uh, but you guys had a great conversation about music, and like ideally I would love to play Rat. Oh, absolutely. And, and, uh, like, uh, poison and whatnot. But. What I would love to be able to do, because I have so much music, is to have my own radio show. Yeah. Where I just put out, like, okay, tonight we're going to go through uh, Rat. Right. I'll play all songs and I'll tell stories about Rat. I would love to be able to do that. But the, at one point, someone's going to screw you. Yeah, so I did, like... Uh, um, like when Stephen Piercy's here, I'm gonna. I guess I could just ask him, "Hey, can I put on an arcade, which is his band before after Rat?" I mean, I guess I, 
I, I get he, it. You know what? He may not even be able to control that. Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing. Because I'm sure the record company has a lot to say. And it, because he's on the show, it may send up a red flag. They may see that and they may look in to see if you're playing a song. So I would definitely ask him before you do it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to play different. Uh, but Stevie Rochelle's he's awesome. He gets me some of my 80s guests. And, uh, oh, how does he do that? Well, he used to be in a band, and uh, so he knows everyone. And his website, Metal Sludge, is uh, it's like the Drudge Report, but for hard rock. Why um, do I keep getting the vibe that even though today I'm here doing your podcast, you're looking right through me for Stephen Percy? Oh, not at all, not at all. But I'm friends with you. Like, Hell you know, yeah. I mean, we could talk for the next five hours about, uh, you know, because you were at the store. I mean, I, I think I may have gone up there once or twice, you know, in the late 80s, uh, but I didn't yeah. really. I mean, the first guy I ever saw there was Angel Salazar. Check it out, man. And I was. See, to me, he was the guy from that movie, The Wildlife. And really? I was Because that's one of my favorite cult movies. Um, you know, it was basically a ripoff of Fast Times, but with Sean Penn's brother, Chris Penn. Right. It wasn't the, the exact same thing. <laughs> but, I mean, you could tell they were going for a Spicoli type. Right. You know, it's casual, man. And, and Angel Salazar was his little buddy. And Check it out. You know. Now, you have an interesting story about, uh, if, you know, if you're fans of the movie Scarface... I don't think a lot of people know Pacino's character was kind of based on Angel Salazar, at least well, the dialect. One of the things that I had heard about Angel Salazar, his role was much bigger in the movie Scarface. Uh, but when he was around there, Al Pacino started watching him and started kind of mimicking him because that seems like the voice that he wanted to do, and he was pretty good. And it sounded so much like Angel. I think producers kind of cut Angel's part down a lot. Because he, like, if you watch that movie, he's in almost a lot and, of the scenes. Right, and he just doesn't say, doesn't anything. say anything. Right, and that's why. You know, and Stephen Bauer, uh, Manny, Manolo, he's at the uh, comedy store from time to time. Yep, and he's kind of a pussy hound, I'll say that. Well, I mean, I don't want to mention the comic's name because I think we both love her, but, uh, and I think she... Uh, is, is spoken for so i you know i but wasn't mr bauer maybe possibly intermingling with a female friend of ours yes and i remember uh one time when Ika was in the ding dong show and mary jane they were there doing something and and that girl was with him and he was like hey look at this i mean just oh they're animals up yeah. at the store i mean yeah well this guy was an animal too i mean every girlfriend i've ever had or, or lady friend i was uh, whatever with up there to see the animals hug her for an extra second to feel the tits yeah and, oh absolutely you know, it, it's like, it's uh i've never been that person i oh that's my one rule i never touch anyone else's woman i i i never ever do that just for the simple reason that i wouldn't want anybody doing that to my girl well, it's just my, I won't even go out with someone's ex-girlfriend. Like, it's just, it's because in my mind, like, it's, oh, you always wanted to go out with her then, you know, type of thing. Do you know anybody that's hit on somebody that you used to go out with? 
Oh, I'm, I saw people uh, hit on uh, Gail uh, in front of me. <laughs> Brian, uh, well, I don't mention names, but a bit, pretty big name comic was like all over one night after we did the band. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm a fan, but if you want your next set to be through a straw, you better unhinge, bro. Really? He's pretty tough. You know, he's a martial artist. I think yeah, he's like but, a black belt. Uh, you know, I think that uh, my anger, I wouldn't, f he'd have to kill me. He, when I'm mad, and I think you're the same way, I've yes. seen you one, not once, maybe once uh, when that whole, when those three black dudes uh, took the bar, uh, the outdoor bar patios uh, tip jar. And, yeah. and you got in like this weird karate stance. I wasn't a karate stance. It's like what I feel good at. Yeah, but I you hunch. You like, because I'm ready to lunge forward yeah. and I'm ready on both sides. You know, it's... I've been in a few fisticuffs there. I remember when I first got to the store, there was a guy that was pissing on the wall at the comedy store. And I remember taking him by the shirt and throwing him out into sunset. But I mean, really almost picking him up and tossing him there. And he did a roll into sunset. And people were pretty impressed by that. Well, you're a fucking strong guy, man. Yeah. I wouldn't want to fight you. I mean, I'm more uh, smoke and mirrors. I'm not nearly as strong as I look. I mean, I think you are as strong as you look. I'll tell you this. Last night, uh, mini Dean, I was walking into uh, the main room to watch Brody Stevens and Minnie Dean, for some reason, I think he thought I was going to go after some girl that he was there with. And he tried to push me away. And I literally just went like that with my left hand. And he went up against the wall. I mean, the whole audience, Oh, <laughs> and I felt bad, but I really didn't feel bad. And many Dean, for those, I don't think anyone knows who he is on this podcast. He's just another one of the uh, comedy store caricatures. A guy that hangs out there because he has nothing else to do and was kind of accepted through a next general manager, Dean Galber, who kind of let him stay there. And he just made himself welcome. Uh, but nobody really liked him because he's as annoying as you can possibly be. Well, that's the thing at the stores. Uh you know, if you try too hard, you build up your annoyance factor and, and you end up hurting yourself, from what I can see. That's the reason what I try to do. I ask, let me go on the last comic, you know, that way nobody can say, oh, he's taking my spot. He's doing this little baby shit, you know. And even then I still get shit from people, but. I do my job. I think every night I go out there and I entertain the people that are there. A lot of people can't entertain that. By the way, did you see this? Oh, the uh, Tracy Morgan? Tracy Morgan. I wonder how he's doing now. Well, I'm sure of, uh, a lot of uh, comics are getting that RIP tweet ready just in case. You know, like they were is, is it that bad? I mean, I think he's in critical condition. I thought he was in serious condition, but, you know, who knows? But, you know, on Twitter, like, like when John Pignette died, and I never worked with him, but he was a pretty nice guy from what I understand. Absolutely, I heard the same thing. All these people, oh, you were so funny, you were great to work with. And one guy was telling me how bad he smelled. You know, it's like, you didn't like him, you were just talking how you are making fun of him a week ago. Yeah, was, it, it, it's <laughs> one of those things I just never, ever critically injured in Fatal Wreck. Yeah, oh, I, wow, the Emperor, I know that guy. Do you? 
Well, apparently, he, uh, I don't think a lot of people were wearing uh, safety belts, and he was in like in a party, party van, right? Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I will say one thing about Tracy Morgan. Uh, I know that you mentioned at the beginning, but just to kind of clarify, I do the audience warrant for Jimmy Kimmel, and I've done it from the very beginning. And I will say this. That guy is consistently funny every single time he's ever been on the show. And that's pretty hard to do. I mean, really, really funny. So, And I hear he's a nice guy. Like, I hear, uh, like, he'll... Uh, my friend Roger, who's worked with him, said he'll still have barbecues at his house and invite like uh, less fortunate comics. Like, right. You know, that's pretty neat that he he's can. A, uh, he's a good guy. And I think that that's what you have to do. If you're in a position to help, uh, you have to kind of do that because you have to give back. I've always heard you have to give back to the comedy world. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it raises your frequency, man. You know, I'm into the Tony Robbins. Are mind. you really? Is that what they say? Well, you know, if you give back, you know, you'll get it tenfold in return. But you shouldn't uh, give with that expectation of if if you said, Earl, can I borrow $100? I should give it to you because I want to not. Well, I know Donald uh, give my uh, DVD to the Kimmel uh, promoter or whatever, you know. Which you did many years ago for me, and it's probably a mistake looking back. I, I probably, you know... Uh, well, it, for me, it was nothing. But I mean, I, I because was... Because all, all you do... Here you go. This is a comic. I know him. Is he funny? Yes, he is. Boom. Well, I hope they you didn't know. look at it. Then it's then it's out of my hands. Oh, of course. But uh, you like, know, and that's the way it goes. I just uh, I feel uh, kind of bummed out because I know a lot of people who work on Arsenio show, and uh, that was kind of out of left field that that got canceled, and uh, that happened pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, and my friends like the lead head writer on it, and, oh. uh, and Owen Smith, who's awesome, dude. Uh, was I, he I, on it? He, I think he just came on board. I don't know if he was on there from day one, but uh, you know, he always uh, gets up back on his feet pretty. Uh, yeah. What I liked about Arsenio is he gave my friend who's the head writer or one of the head writers, you know, he's a, a road comic for the last 30 years. I mean, right. he is the uh, typical playing a one-nighter in Nevada for $100. Arsenio put him on TV. Like, he gave him a stand-up spot. It was, uh, I don't know if you saw this, it was like a real touching moment. Uh, did you see that one video? And I don't know if you saw it, it became a YouTube sensation where there's a guy that was playing guitar outside like i don't know a walmart or something like that it might have been a drugstore i don't remember exactly what it was but then some guy came out and in a soulful voice started singing with him and then a rapper came in and then what this did is it became an internet sensation because the manager of the store took the video now jimmy has him on this show and they bring out alo black you know the guy that did that song i'm the man i'm the man Uh you know know that song i I mean not very uh updated anyway uh, pretty popular guy right now they brought him into it but they had all these guys walk into it and i talked to the guy after and i mean it's just like i watch this guy the greatest day of his life Cause he seems like he's, if not homeless, pretty close to being homeless, missing a few teeth, completely bald hair. Uh, but boy, and he was so freaking happy. He was so happy, you know, and it was, it's those type of things, you know, 
it was an entertaining thing that night on Jimmy Kimmel Live, and all these people got around it. They had other rappers that came in, big name people. But boy, people just don't know, like Arsenio. You just go like this, and you can change someone's life. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Rob yeah. Schneider did, did me many favors, so that, that he didn't have to. Oh, well. But, you know, uh, you also have to look at this. Rob Schneider did something because he needed you to. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, but it's just, you know, I, I take the uh, view of there's thousands of comics you could have helped. and Right. You know, thank you for... Uh, you it's know. like one of the things that I, I really really felt great about uh sarah silverman one time gave me a spot on her the sarah silverman program and what i played i was the audience warm-up for a show within that show called cookie time now she has been around comedy forever she has how many people could she have given that to right and she gave it to me, and she made such a big thing about how great I did on it, and she made such like all the producers. I've never felt better about that, and and I'm I will always feel that Sarah Silverman did me something really really great. Then, I mean, and I will always look at Sarah with really kind eyes because of that, because I would have been probably one of the last people of people that she knew because she had friends that needed that work. I had a job. Yeah, but you are the best warm-up guy in town. I've been to a lot of shows and, uh, you know, I, I've never seen anyone do it like you do it. You well, know. thank you. I wish uh, somebody at Jimmy Kimmel knew that. <laughs> well, you know, if they didn't like what the job you're doing, you, you wouldn't be, you know. They'd get... uh, that's not the way they even make it, so. <laughs> I think they'd take it. If you weren't friends with Jimmy, you sure as hell wouldn't be here. Well, hey, it helps to have friends, man. Yeah, but still. But, you know, you got a lot of things coming up. and Well, I mean, I thought a long time ago, I'm very, very fortunate because I was put in a position that I have my rent paid for. I have my overhead taken care of on a job that I don't work that much per week. You know, I, you know, total time, I could say a figure, but it's like, probably under 10 hours driving there, coming back, doing the job 10 hours a week. And I make enough money to take care of myself. But that was years before I could ever get like that. And you know, driving with you is unbelievable to go there back in the old days when you would, it was like an amusement park ride. Oh, because of my car? Because your passenger, well, and because of your, uh, let's just say aggressive style of driving. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I was scared to like, like, hey, man, I'll meet you there. And you're like, oh, meet me at the comedy store. And it, the passenger seat in your old car was a, a little wobbly. So we There was would... a bolt that was out. And since I didn't sit on that side, I didn't really want to fix it. Yeah, it's kind of like me and the air conditioning here. You know, I just... Yeah, it's the, the air conditioning, the green TV, a lot of things about the Kennedy compound over here. Well, I'm working on uh, sprucing up the place, you know, buying the, you know, better podcast gear. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you one thing you should get. Get microphone stands. Well, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, and I'll uh, tell you why. Because it adds, it adds to it. Uh, you know, I would even get a big poster of what your logo is. I don't really. Oh, I have a. Uh, you have that th that shot it's that it's I've a picture seen. of me, right? Right. I guess that's a logo. Yeah, yeah. And, and put I, it like right. Uh, yeah, like, put it somewhere, and maybe take it down after, or put it right over there. Because your uh, setup is unbelievable. Y 
Yeah, but it's at a secret location. Oh, so yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, when I go to your setup, right? it's... Uh, no, because and my feeling was when we got into that studio, we had been working with uh, Adam Carolla. And Adam Carolla, you know, they had a whole TV show that put his studio together. So it was like a regular radio studio. And when I went in there, I didn't want to take a big step down. So I did a lot of things to make sure... And we had some really great fans that came through and helped donate money. I will never, ever say that we didn't get a break with that because that was cool. And within one month, we raised enough money to, to start a whole new studio. Oh, your fans are amazing. I mean, they even helped me. Like, uh, Did they? I had, uh, you know, I'm not the most computer literate guy. So long story short, I had uh, about four hours worth of podcasts uh, on this uh, disc and uh I said fragment disc. I didn't know what that meant. So I'm like, I hit yes and it erased both episodes. And they were really fun episodes. Mm. So I gave it to a uh, fan of yours, a uh, Ding Dong Show fan who goes there a lot, Charlie. I don't know his last name, but and he uh, recovered uh, probably about uh, 40% of the, you know, and it was just, well, you don't even know me. You're fans of Don's and they were still helping me. Well, it, it's. I think that these guys, they just love to be part of something. And that's that's what's great. I And I'll tell you this. It's great about the podcast world. I was kind of told something recently, and it does make sense, that the first wave of people, the, uh, the people like Adam Carolla, the people like Joe Rogan, they got out there when it was at a level that nobody really knew about it. And they built up fans because they were doing things that you could not do on any kind of other radio. Right. You know, what would have really made the podcast world crazy, you know, when uh, Howard Stern was negotiating with Sirius the last time, there was a real thought that they were going to build a podcast studio for him. Oh, wow. And he was just going to put out podcasts. And they must have put out the, the rest of the money. But, boy, that would have made the podcast world even bigger. Oh yeah, I mean Duncan Trussell, uh, you know, he's he's a big uh, podcast. Yeah, all those guys that were with Rogan, the, Ari Shafir, Sam mm -hmm. Tripoli, all those guys got a chance to get to learn how to do the podcast by being on Joe Rogan's. Then they started their own. Then they went off and they did their own by themselves because they learned exactly how to do right. it. By the way, those those brass knuckles are kind of cool. Tell the people about that again. These are uh, Stephen Piercy's Mike Knuckles. That's M-I-C uh, Knuckles. And uh, I think the website, these aren't in stores yet. Uh, I actually met Mr. Piercy at a undisclosed location and, uh, you know, bought a few. He gave me a few, which, I, you know, that's why I say he's a sponsor. He did, uh, you know, throw me a couple bones. and he bought Did he really? He did, actually. I'm like, uh, uh, you know, he was so nice. And uh, I was like, hey, man, I'll buy him. No, 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 man. He just bought, gave me all these CDs. I mean, I already had him, but... Uh, what did he give you? Did he sign him? Uh, no, I didn't want to bug him. He, I, I I, was getting this surge of adrenaline, like, oh, will you take a picture with me? And I, and I just, I didn't want to, like, freak him out. See, that's the thing. I was, there's so many people that I wish I would have taken pictures of. Yeah, no, I know. I just, uh, he was nice enough to meet me at this place, and, you know, uh, I, I just didn't, I wanted to go a little easy on the first one. Right, holy smokes. And then... He's agreed to do your your he, podcast on this you know, upcoming week. He doesn't do a lot week. of these things. Uh, no. And, you know, I'm sure he gets... What big names have you had on? 
I mean, not uh, David Arquette is probably the biggest. Yeah. Uh, Tony Katane. And uh, to UFC fans, uh, legendary Don Fry, who's uh, probably the number one commercial actor right now. He uh, He's in all those... Uh, He's in the things with the William Shatner, the biker commercial, and uh, he's uh, Priceline, I guess it is, and uh, he's in Allstate commercials. He's got a great look. He's is the, it the guy that comes to the comedy store all the time? No, that's Roddy Piper. Uh, no, I know Roddy. Oh, Josh Piper. Barnett. Uh, no, no. Is it wrestler or MMA? He's an MMA guy. He fought in the UFC when, like, literally, guys were coming to the octagon in hoodies from their own closet. Like, really? Like he fought when all those things I told you weren't legal were legal. Ball shot. Uh, foot stomps to the head, uh, you know, and, and so Did he anybody won. die? Uh, no one's died in the UFC event. There's been, uh, I think, maybe like under five in the last 10 years who uh, amateurs, you know, there's a lot of, uh, like you've heard of backyard wrestling, yes. which is like. Wasn't that with that one guy? The, insanity. The, who was the guy that was like the champion at that, that hasn't I mean, done that well in MMA? Oh, well, uh, let me see. The well, Brock Lesnar. uh well, there was a guy, Bobby Lashley. He came from the WWF to MMA, but... This guy was a strictly backyard fighter. Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, there's he a... He became a star, and then he got it when that first... Cause remember oh, Kimbo Slice. Yeah, there he is. Well, I don't think he liked getting hit for real. I mean, and you know, when he fought, if you ever look up Kimbo's best fights on YouTube, he had a gang of about 20 huge black dudes who any time Kimbo would uh, start to not necessarily lose, but lose the upper hand, they'd step in and go, oh, you stepped on his foot. That's illegal. We got to restart, <laughs> you know? So he really? had like, and then, uh, yeah, you know, he you should he, have him on the show and talk to him about that. Well, I don't, uh, you know, it, but it's crazy. It, that would probably get the most views ever. Here, him coming Kimbo out. Slice. I mean, he's an internet freak. Um, you know, you, you, uh, you get the UFC fans, they'll listen. I mean, uh, Duncan actually gave me great advice of it's not just about getting someone who has, say, 100,000 followers on Twitter. You got to get people who listen to podcasts. Like someone like, you know, Kimbo Slice. Right. His fans probably listen to Rogan's podcast and Duncan's and Ari's and your fans. I mean, this will probably rival Tony Katane's. I bet I'll bet you not because I don't think we get that many. I think that I have some hardcore people that really like what's going on, but I'll also say this: it is not. We do not get the numbers of like Duncan or anybody like that. Yeah, but you have uh, uh, your fans. I, I would say almost exclusively listen to podcasts. Like I don't know if uh, like David Arquette. Uh, he has. He's not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. He he basically said I I just. I got bummed out at people talking bad about me and my family. So I, I just don't even do it. So there was really, I mean, I promoted it as best I could, but you know, right. He didn't get many people. To he got to. a, you know, he's probably in the high middle of the pack in terms of all time views. How many listeners do you get like his show? I mean, on SoundCloud, I don't know how to measure it on iTunes, yeah. uh, but on, on SoundCloud, which gives you detailed numbers, uh, like Tony Katane's over 2,100. Uh, everyone else is right around 500. Um, there's one uh, Danish and O'Neill UFC podcast. It's got about 1,100. Really? So, uh, you know, I, I think it's probably similar on iTunes. You know, she probably had the most by... Yeah, it's good. Danish and O'Neill 
Jeff Dennis and Ryan O'Neill, if you're not familiar, I know they've been on this show yeah, a couple times. That. But 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 I'll tell you, those guys are really talented. And I'll tell you, I think they've got something really big happening. And recently, I asked them to uh, direct our big three project that we're finishing up with. And I'll tell you something. I'm I've never been more excited because these guys. <clears throat> They know, let's say, the world of Don Barris. They were huge fans of the Ding Dong Show. They would always listen to the Big Three podcasts and make comments to me. And I thought, wow, these guys would actually be perfect. They walked in, and they've been great. Oh, they're probably, uh, other than you, and uh, I mean, maybe I'm missing one or two names, but definitely two of the top five funny guys up there, man, in terms of just funny. Hell yeah. You know, so that's, and that's, you know, the kind of like gets me a little like not bummed out but when i see them not getting great spots or whatever and i know there's behind the scenes politics and well but they also they refuse to take any spots at all <laughs> like i guarantee you if i said hey i want better spots you know i go up there and there'll be four people you've seen it there'll be four people in there i'll still do an hour and i'll keep those four people there and then we get other people to come in because i usually get something crazy happening let's uh but if I asked for better spots, I guarantee you I'd be wiped out of there. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I appreciate the job Tommy has from the standpoint. Oh, of, I, I think he's got the toughest job ever. Oh, yeah. Basically, your job's to tell hundreds of comics a week. No. Yeah. And I think that they all come in there thinking that they're, a lot of them, they're much better than they are. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you know. It's, and you got you to gotta cut it off somewhere. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I get that you have a built up a self defense wall. I mean, you know, I was there one night when uh, like three A level comics were giving him shit. Well, I want to go next. And then the next guy came in. Well, I want to go on now. Who? And then the third guy. And these are guys who get killer spots. It's like, okay, this is a tough job. You know. I mean, I can imagine what shitheads like me. You, you know. Why would you call yourself a shithead? Well, you know, you know, I'm hitting them up for. Hey, I want to get in. And then you got. So it's a tough gig. I'll give him that. I mean, well, I'll tell you, I think that the way you've done it is, is in a great way because I think that your name has become something golden there. People look at you. I mean, you started out with the band. I mean, I think that that opened doors for you. Oh, people, sure. people. And now with the, the, uh, the roast battle, I mean, now pe because you consistently get laughs on that. You consistently get laughs. It's, you know, I try, you know, I, I don't want to bomb in that room. No, you don't. You know, and uh, that's pressure. And you're doing it in front of Jeff Ross, who actually is trying to make projects happen. Oh, he's great. I mean, even I was, you know, you have to, to get a laugh in that room, as you know, it's, it's, uh, you have to, uh, really amp up anything. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I say some pretty wacky things uh, along with Whitney and, uh, it's I, I even you know, now she's your business partner, right? You know, uh, to be honest with you, and I don't know how this makes me look as a comic, but uh, I was running out of things to say. Uh, you know, to be uh, to appear racist and, and to try and be funny. Uh, it, after about eight months, I was like, I'm out of. There's only so many ways to say it. You know what's funny? This is what I've found very funny about that whole thing. <laughs> Here you are. I've never heard you say a racist thing in my life, but yet there it's like you say it all the time almost well i mean uh you're really a good actor <laughs> well you know i was raised by a black man were you i'm, I'm leroy prince uh he was uh my dad was away on business a lot and uh 
he was like the butler, I guess. I butler's kind of a dismissive term, but yeah, that's what he was, I suppose. And uh, so I was down with the brothers. That's why I'm so comfortable around gay people is because my mom... Because you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not gay. I like chicks, you know, girls, big, big tits. And yeah, I've seen that. But you have you've had actually some sort of sexual encounter with, with some real slobs. Well, you know, I uh, back in the day, and by that I mean last week, um, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, yeah, I'm like kind of pat on my uh, womanizing or whatever you want to call it after like David Lee Roth. You know, he was just like, he'd, he'd hit anything, you know. Would he really? Just for the laughs. Now, here's a guy with the access to the most beautiful women on earth. And I think he kind of got this perverse pleasure out of sleeping with a 300-pound woman. Like, it was funny to him. I take it you don't subscribe to that. Uh, no, no. I, I honestly, you know... I'll be very honest with you. I think that anytime anyone shows any kind of appreciation towards me as a man, I'm honored. Yeah. And I never try to hurt anybody's feelings at all. I just never have. So, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you this. If I'm there masturbating, I'm not thinking of a 300-pound woman. See, I do. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. I mean, why why stop in real life? <laughs> Take it to that next level, even, you know, in your uh, your, your jack-off uh, thoughts. I can't do that. That I can't do. I mean, you know. But I can find just about anything in a girl. Anything in a girl. And I can honestly say there may be only two women in my life that I've ever not regretted, but, like, kind of felt like, okay, uh... I wouldn't want to redo that one. Well, I mean, I probably got a few more than that, but right. Uh, but, but you know, it, it, on the DL, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like you know, uh, like the Rosenberg brothers. You know, if the, if that could have remained quiet, I you know, why not? I'd have them over. Again. They were definitely very fun people. Oh, they're that, great. That made it very plain that they were there for one thing: to look down at your pee pee. And see both of their heads down there. I mean, it was just the greatest visual ever. You know where those two girls came from, the ones that I was talking about? When I used to be a DJ and I'd DJ weddings, there's, you know, there's a look, and I can always look at a woman and find something good about them. Either if it's something that they're wearing, something can arouse me. And that has happened a couple times. You ever... You, you probably never DJ because all it'd be is like 80s hair bands. I mean, you know, I, I think I could be, a, I, I uh, you know, I could do an iPod uh, shuffle at a house party. I think people would be pleased. You think so? Well, it's not just 80s metal. You know, like I like a guy like, say, Wang Chung, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's a big act on Geffen, you know. Was. Well, yeah, was. Oh, I know. In the anymore. 80s. The village people, I mean. If you take away, if you don't listen to the village, if you don't see the village people and you just listen to their songs, that's great pop stuff, man. Oh, I completely agree. Well, if you look at this, there was a time that the Bee Gees were the most hated band in the world, right. but they were so popular. That's why they were hated. You go to a wedding now and somebody puts on staying alive. The dance hall fills. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, just so it, it's just, I think mainly it's familiar music. That's what I look at the, uh, 
the BKO. I think that we kind of like take songs that are pretty popular. Oh, yeah. I mean, because, people. Because there's nothing better than when I'm in the BKO, the Barris Kennedy Overdrive, and I let people sing along with me, and they do. Oh, they love it, man. I mean, it's, I really think it's the only thing that could close out the night. Uh, with that kind of energy? Absolutely. I mean, they've already been beat to death with the bad comedy stick. God. So. And I'll tell you, it seems like some nights it's like the way they schedule that show is like, okay, uh, you want people gone. Okay, well, we'll put up one person. Okay, that person is uh, hasn't chased them out. Well, this one will. I really think that sometimes that's the way it is, and then I follow that. See, I don't uh, – see, to me, it would just make more sense of, okay, late-night spots for the most part, the crowd's dead, or, you know, why not give a guy, I don't know, a shot if he can make them laugh. Maybe – I don't know. I, I, you're, you're completely correct about let's get him out of here. You know, I think that's the way it's scheduled. Like, let's, let's get rid of these people. All right, we'll we'll put up a couple people that might not hold the crowd that well. Well, it's like my ex girlfriend before Gail was in the. She does concerts for Live Nation, like these huge, massive concerts. Really, the radio station concerts, and I, I would always notice they would put like a a kind of a shitty act on last, like William Hung. That one year he was hot, and this was when Kiss played and. Uh, the BGs and it was a great bill and I'm like why are they putting him last and they're like well everyone wants to go home fast and I swear to god as soon as he hit the stage and he, he was out of his mind he didn't know where he was I've never seen an arena empty out so fast I mean I I kind of got but they wanted to go home like right they were just looking for a reason to get up I just it just kind of bumps me out you know late night audiences uh specifically at the comedy store kind of it's like they want them to leave. Yeah. So, and then I've, you... I've and, noticed that. And if you listen to the, the podcast I did with Skylar Stone, I was saying there's no one on earth who could hold a crowd like you late night. Who's Skylar Stone? He was the guy I had on uh, maybe a, a previous episode last week. And uh, I was, he doesn't go to the comedy store a lot. And uh, I was saying you have to come late night to watch you. Oh, he was the guy that said all I do is audience, uh, crowd work. I mean, I guess that was his take, but, uh, you know. Do you think people look at me that way? I don't. I told him I thought you were like Ian Bagg from the standpoint of you guys, uh, and Ian's like one of my favorite comics, do uh, like a 50-50 blend of crowd work material. I mean, you have to at that night. Right, because you play what the crowd's giving you, and then you bring it in and you sell your, your bits. Yeah, I mean, you just can't go, you know, sit there for, you know, 15 minutes. Hey, so how about this Obama guy? You know, they, they'd walk out and, like, exactly take the Concord to get out of there. Hmm. So there's no one on earth who could hold the crowd at the comedy store like you. All right. And I'm not just kissing you. A lot no, of people, I know you're not. I know you're not. You've seen it. I mean, you I've get... been accused of being a man in the middle on many things. <laughs> you mean riding the fence? Well, you know, I like to, uh, you know, I like to keep a low profile. You know what? And there's nothing wrong with that because I'll tell you, as far as things go, you know, I look at this. You never know. The reason that I go up late, I just don't want to cause any controversy. I just want to stay away from as much controversy as can possibly be. 
I mean, didn't you tell a great story? Uh, I think it'll, I'll jog your memory that, uh, you know, uh, you got into an argument with someone uh, on a show and then like a couple shows later, a different show, you uh, were up for the gig and oh, uh you want me to tell that story i mean if if you don't have to mention any names but yeah it just goes in line with what we're saying uh no when i first started i was actually stealing the role of the mc during the potluck at the comedy store now at the comedy store i had just gotten in there you know i hadn't been there very long and one of the things that was said you put these people on the list on and that's it well there was a bunch of people that used to come up from the la jolla comedy store and i thought oh and they'd always want to go on, and I liked them, and so I'd put them on. But I'd try to separate them instead of putting up five people that drove up from La Jolla because my thought was, oh, the person that has to, that was supposed to be next that's on the list, if five people go up before him, that's going to get back to the owner, and I'm going to lose anything I have there. That was my feeling, and I still feel that I'm right. Well, there was one guy, kind of a known hothead, that would start complaining to me. And he like get in my face and I go, fuck you, dude. You come up here. I give you spots. Fuck you. I remember that whole thing. And then uh, I remember when I kind of learned how to do audience warm up. it was the only money that I was getting in that could pay for anything. And I remember I was going up for a show. And at the time, I had had a pretty good resume. And I got letters of recommendation from Ben Stein, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, and these guys are saying unbelievably nice things. So I had this resume. I had letters of recommendation. And the guy who was at this show, he would actually tell me, oh, my God, I've never seen anybody with a better, better presentation. And they said, well, you just got to go through one guy and we'll get you in here. Well, it was the one guy that I had a right. problem with. I mean, what are the odds? Well, I would even bet that that guy was told to, to drag me through shit. Right. And he did that on purpose. So, you know, and make it even worse. But that reminds me of a, another story. The only time, and I've learned from this lesson, I was working at a hotel when I was going to school. I was a night auditor at a hotel. I, I, it's funny, on the back TV, there's a Domino's commercial. I had a job at Domino's in the early evening, and late night I had a, uh, a job as a night auditor at a hotel. And then through the day, I had classes. There were days that literally I was scheduled to be going somewhere or I was supposed to be there in class, at work, for 24 straight hours. So my schedule was crazy and I just wanted to do it. And I was working at this hotel and it was run by a, a husband and a wife team. They were the managers of it. And I remember the woman there just would always come over and visit me. And it started out innocently enough. She'd bring her daughter and her daughter really liked me. And she actually had, the daughter had cerebral palsy. And it was like one of those things. And I really liked the daughter and the daughter thought I was funny. And she, she would tell me, Oh my God, she doesn't respond to anybody this way. So I think because of that, I think she was in a loveless marriage. I think she was trying to get out and figure a way out. Remember one night she came up to work and she said, how would you feel about me if I left my husband? I said, well, I, I don't know. 
But one thing led to another. She left her husband and things happened. And what kind of things? <laughs> you know, you know where you put your this thing inside a woman's pee pee place? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If if you've never done it before, you when you put it in, the muscles start to contract around the penis. It really feels good. I mean, I've done it a few times. You have? Isn't that cool? That's the best. It is the best. No rubber too. Oh. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, so I really learned that there's no winning in a situation like that. Right. And I decided after that, never fuck with someone's woman. Oh, that's e- my number one. It's my only rule. Even they were broken up and I did it. I remember one night he came in drunk. So you think you're pretty funny, huh? And I remember his thing was because... And it's kind of what I, you and your big cock thinking you can get anything you want. <laughs> and he took a swing at me and I jumped over it and I left because he brought a couple boys with him in the middle of the night. He was right. drunk. I'll never forget that. And I realized that eh, that's not a cool thing to do. It doesn't pay off. It never does. Mm-mm. You know, because usually the girl comes to. They're just looking for an escape. And that's what eventually she did. I mean, she was just looking for an out, and nobody wants to leave a relationship that they're in unless they have something else to go to. Oh, absolutely. And I think that everybody kind of does that to a certain extent, or they want to explore somebody else. So, well, you know, yeah, it's, you know, that's why. I got to tell you something. I'm really sorry. I know this is my first time on the show. and uh, I love it, man. We watched a double overtime Kings game before this. And I came here, I was exhausted, and I'm still exhausted. So I might not have the liveliness that I normally do on a podcast, so I hope you understand at least. Well, like the Rat song says, you'll be back for more. You know, I was going to quote that too, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I mean, there's. I could talk to not just hours about comedy, but music and just the L.A. scene. Yeah. You know, I mean, just your history of, you know, working at the Tropicana, which I think is where we first met, although we didn't really, really? meet. Uh, because I definitely, it wasn't Johnny Cocktails uh, as the MC. Wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Is this going out live? It is not. It is? It, it is not. Then why did somebody just put an Instagram back for more, as Rat would say? Oh, because it's uh, I, I have a running theme here. Uh, you know, I put out a tweet saying "Simply Don One is coming on," and oh. uh, hopefully, if it goes well or something like that, he'll be back for more. Oh, okay, I see that. But that just weirded me out because you kind of just said that, didn't you? Yeah, no, it's uh, I'm I, you know I, when I get uh, my shit together, uh, uh, hopefully uh, at, at some point we'll have video and and we'll be. Oh, that's live. The, because I'll tell you, as I was saying to you before, all that that first realm they just did a podcast. Well, now, to kind of put your name out there, you almost have to go to video because there's so many podcasts yeah, out there. a lot of bad ones, they're, too. Oh, because they just don't know what they're doing. They have nothing interesting to say, but there's so many out there. Well, I wanted to, uh, before I hit video, and I want I really want to take calls because I, I think that's what I would excel at is the uh, the improv of phone calls. Right. And, uh, but I want to hone down my interviewing style a little better. No, absolutely. And that's that's the thing. And then you build up a studio a little bit here. Yeah. That'd be great. So, uh, you know, hopefully you'll be back many times. I would be more than happy to. You know, like I say, we've got to... I still want to do this because 
one of the great offers that I had, and we never took him up on it because it was at a time that our guitarist did the Barris Kennedy Overdrive. Which one? Uh, Hatchell? What was his name? Snake Hatchell. Snake Hatchell. When he was in, there was a band that came to watch us. And they wanted us to open for them on the road. Right. And they were dead serious. And the guy kept calling, kept calling. The manager of the band called me one time and said that. But I really love to open for a real band. And I think I could do it. I think that we could do this whole thing and get it out there and get laughs. On the right uh, right crowd. I, but you know what? When, when we did that uh, show at the billiards hall and it was an all black crowd. Right. You know, I remember you know i'm just talking to myself going this is not going to go over well uh and they loved it yeah and also the time that we did the thing uh opening for rick ingram's show that's i missed out on that i think pete c the great pete c was uh really i had a gig i think a deuce bigelow gig ah and well uh, anyway we went there and at first the crowd was like what the fuck is this but by the end, I just said, you know what? I'm not going to go half-assed. I'm going to rock the hell out of this. I'm going to put energy in this, and that's what I did. And I think people loved it by the end. So, But that's what makes it great is, like, the people who do get it go, I mean, you're out of your mind, lip-syncing perfectly. What? I mean, out of your mind, like, going, like... Singing. You, you know, uh, oh, I mean, singing. And, uh, you know, Mary Jane is great on the bass, and then obviously at an incredibly... It's so funny. Every time I, I look out at the crowd, I'm going like a maniac. You're drumming like a crazy fool. But yet most eyes hone in on Mary Jane playing bass. Well, she's... Uh, be- I mean, like, I mean, yeah. there's few beautiful... Uh, she the- is beautiful, isn't she? And you've got a great... Uh, very funny, too. So yeah. it's, that's... Uh, you know, usually the pretty girls aren't that funny, but... Uh, nope. And she's know. very lucky. She's very lucky, and she's a very hard worker. I'm very glad that, you know, she has become, like, uh, a producer on all my podcasts, and people have really accepted her, and I love that. I mean, it's it's a very nice thing for her, and I'm very happy for her because she deserves it. Well, she's great. Like when you uh, are on stage, and she where she gathers everyone for for the band and gets the sound guy and the lighting guy. I don't think people really realize the work it oh is involved just doing just, the band right. Just getting I mean Willie Hunter usually is great with the 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 choreograph the light right things and there's lighting there's all this stuff and to have somebody good and it's nice that some of these younger guys they want to be part of it but so maybe we'll do that tonight oh you this isn't going out live well i could put it out tonight uh you know but uh you you know you're right you know i went through uh, you know i'm still learning to be honest with you and i look at you and like dean del rey as my my podcast mentors he understands it the first uh month i did this i i think i taped about 15 of them Really, and I thought, uh, and it was a big mistake looking back now. I, I thought, oh, I'll just release one every Monday because I wanted, like you said, release right. it at the same day. And then it was starting to hit me. Well, Sandy was on uh, one episode, and he was plugging a show that happened two months ago. And right. So then I thought, well, I'm just going to release it the day of. You know. Right. Like, well, there's got to be a fine line. You can sometimes tape things that but you should say that to whoever your guest is right. hey we're gonna do there's gonna be a show this monday this one will be out a a week and a half from now so if you have any gigs right you, you know and so they at least have an idea like when uh 
you know, like, uh, you know, like you could plug the Ding Dong Show this Monday. Right. If, if Every Monday night, 10 p.m. can always come to the Ding Dong Show. And we're still taping those podcast and so we've got a whole backlog and who knows maybe i'm gonna have to put them on my podcast network but we were working with something and i don't know if that's ever gonna work out again so we'll see what happens but every monday at the comedy store you can come at 10 p.m and see a show that's you know pretty cool I think that people, if they get it, they really get it and they really have fun because you will see the same faces there every week. That's great. Uh, it's, I was telling someone the other night, it's one of the few nights at the store where you see actual repeat business. Yeah. You, you know, and it's the longest running show at the store, which is crazy, which is uh, not crazy, but uh, uh, the hundreds of thousands of different shows that have been there from the shitty bringer shows to the good shows. Right. Yours is the longest running because I really claim that that was part of the beginning of it. it wasn't called the Ding Dong Show at first. It was with Perry and Mole and a bunch of other people at the time, but it was under the same premise, you know, very colorful people. And I'm at the the head of it. So, and that's a special talent just to rein in the different personalities. And when I say different personalities, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, someone like say the Armenian comedian, he's a different temperament than say Brian Cosme. Yes. The, I like the new guy, the, the guy who doesn't say anything, uh, or Arma- wait, uh, Ernesto Armando, Armando. Uh, he's great. He's like the chief from Cuckoo's Nest. Yes, he just sits there with yes. like see this look of I've never seen a look like that on someone's face where the lights are not on and no one's home. It's but he's great and he is great. You and, make him funny, and that's the thing. And Schizo is great in his role and, and the schizophrenic uh, surfer. And you know what? He's getting a pretty big fan club. People are really liking him, which is crazy. And all I want him to do is tweet more. And now that was a question. And, and uh, you know, this is uh, part of my naivete. Uh, I don't know if I should ask you off air or not. You but can ask me. You know what? Ask me three questions on there. How much time do we have left? Uh, you know, I stop when it gets boring. Okay. So, uh, you know, some How people. How long have we done? Uh, let me get up. Let me Sorry get to up. make you do that. Oh, no, I no. Let me get up holding my. Mike Knuckles, you can get uh, coming soon. <laughs> we uh, we have done an hour and nine minutes. Well, you know what? Why don't we do this then? Why don't we? Uh, why don't we? I'll you ask three questions, three questions of anything you want, and I'll answer that, and then we'll I'll give a couple plugs and. And you'll come back for more. I'll come back for more. Absolutely, just like Rat said. Right. Um, Oh, well, this is my first question, and like I said, I, I guess I asked you before, uh, you know, uh, you're one of the few guests that I respect so much, and I will do the same uh, uh, same uh, manners with Mr. Piercy. I did it with Tani. I said, hey, listen, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Right. You know, the name of the podcast is inappropriate also i'd like to ask inappropriate questions right and uh but a schizo's tweets uh does he uh is that really him tweeting yes yes it is because he's been forced to do it he just doesn't just doesn't get the whole thing why do you ask that though you know, i retweet everyone that he tweets oh no i know but the original tweets i they're so in his character you almost think that he's not smart enough to tweet like that like the, the misspellings it's almost like the misspellings are perfectly placed and and uh it's so good you don't know if it's like a lot of people ask me about windy city heat they're like 
he can't like you know Skyler. He's like, oh no, that guy knows. Uh, I'm like, no, he doesn't. Like he does and he doesn't. He's been told. But here's my theory on Windy City Heat. I won't even mention the guy's name, so it gets back to him. But here's a guy that wants to believe. He wants to, and instead of looking at the negative, he looks at, hey, for God's sake, how many people do you know come out to L.A., try to become a comic, try to get in a TV show or a movie? How many people do you know like that? Just about everybody. And how many people fail at that? What do you think the percentage of? This guy was the star of a movie that people really enjoyed. Oh, it's a great, it's an amazing so, uh, yeah. movie. I'm going to so, sw- turn the channel. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, is that, is it is he real? Absolutely. He. I just don't think he wants to believe the negative. Because I think people like outsiders who might not be familiar with the whole arc of the, go, this guy has to know five minutes in. This isn't really like, who would believe Dane Cook's the casting director? Well, and, he didn't know who Dane Cook was. And, uh, and anyway, in, in the realm of that, you know, uh, see what you didn't know and what I had to explain to him, Dane Cook wasn't his real name. That's his stage name. His original name was... Uh, Oh, I can't. Whatever it was in right. the movie. Oh, I forget what his name was. Uh, yeah. But then Carson Daly comes in and it's like, I think. Uh, Carson Daly was real. The But I think uh, like an outsider watching this goes, he must know that's Carson Daly. He's not coming in to read. Well, he, but he came in and his name was Carson Daly. The other guy, Dane Cook, changed his name because there was a, his his real name. It was taken by SAG already, so he had to have a different name, so he changed it to Dane Cook. (laughs) And after he did that movie, he started doing stand-up. Yeah, I think he's worked out. That's what Perry's believed, and that's what he was told, and that's what he believes. Because I'll never forget the first time I met Perry was at uh, Dante, who you uh, have a long affiliation with. I like Dante. I like Dante. Grew up at the uh, comedy store. As a matter of fact, there was three people uh, that worked there at the Westwood Comedy Store, and two of them became part of the Windy City Heat thing, and Dante didn't, but he was there and saw the whole thing start. Um, but I met, yeah, yeah, no, no, I was, uh, I met Perry at the Canoga Bowl, which was a room Dante would do every Tuesday right. night, and Perry came up to me and he gave me his business card and said he's trying to make it and some spiel. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I, someone, oh, that's the guy from Windy City Heat. And then I saw it. And then I think I met you maybe about a year or two later. You know, I, when I started comedy, I, the store was the first place I went to. Uh, I actually paid Dave Tyree to write like 15 minutes of jokes for me. I'm embarrassed really? to say that now, but you know. You know, Dave really. Tyree wrote a lot of bits for a lot of people. But I looked at the the other day. I looked at the uh, three pages of jokes he wrote for me, and I didn't know at the time. But I think they were all stolen jokes. They may have been. <laughs> I get that. Well, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> well, but yeah, I was. I found the store so crazy. I, I just started. I, I went elsewhere, and then when I started going coming around again, is when I started heckling you and Brody, uh, good naturedly, of course. Right. 
I would always make sure it was cool. And then that's how you and I met. Uh, exactly. Was, uh, and then you took over for uh, Brody when I could no longer get along with him. But yeah, you. Uh, so uh, that's what happens in bands. All right. Let me think of one more question. One more question. I, uh, everything I wanted to uh, ask. Um, I mean, you've got so, such a history there. I don't know. It's not really. Uh, who are your top five? Just a non, I'm going to go off the board. Non-comedy. Uh, top five guitar players of all time. See, that's a tough one for me because I'm more into bands, and I probably couldn't. You know. Uh, then let's do top five, your top five bands of all time. Top five bands? I think... And not in order, like... Well, one, I can two. tell you, I could probably say this. I think that there is no band in my mind that could ever come close to the Beatles. No, yeah, They right. were a perfect mix of rock, pop, uh, mellow stuff. They really did it all. And I think that... And you look at the Beatles, they were a boy band when they started. Yeah. And then they became one of the most creative innovators in all of music. And it's just, and I just, there isn't really many songs that I don't like by the Beatles. I have on my iPod, I have every single Beatles song in chronological order. Would you say Lennon and McCartney uh, primarily are the, the greatest songwriting duo of all time? I think that they will go down in history is like Bach and Beethoven right. and things like that. Oh, yeah. I think they're, they're that great. But I also think that uh, people like Bernie Taupin and Elton John, also oh, yeah. unbelievably great writers. And is the Elton John band my a band that, you know, most people don't realize, and I didn't realize until I started studying music a little bit, how great... Elton John's stuff was in the beginning. He's awesome. I mean, you know, I would have to at least say Goodbye Yellow Brick Road is one of my top favorite albums of all time. It's one of my favorite albums right. of all time. Uh, but What I is your favorite album of all time? I, it's hard to say because I can't even tell you my favorite Beatles album, but it would have to be something there. If, if I was stuck with five bands that I'd have to listen to, and that's all the music I could have... Uh, you know, but anybody like, for instance, if it was the Beatles, I could have their entire collection, anything that Paul McCartney did, anything that Ringo Starr did solo, even Pete Best would be put in there. But I'm saying, obviously, I think the Beatles, I might go with Elton John because he has such a, right. a great, vast amount, uh, you know, and I'm telling you, it might be, hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say this too. I think Dr. Dre, if you put, and the way I've done it, because on my iPod, I put anything Dr. Dre produced. Right. And I put that in, in chronological order, all of his songs. I might take the Dr. Dre production songs. I might even go with Pharrell because Pharrell has done so many different types of music but again that's producing and it's not a band but he's done so much music i might even put in like the eagles i i just you know there was a time that i thought that don henley on solo was spectacular oh yeah boys uh, summer. right i so you know uh i'm trying to think what i want all that kind of stuff but i'm trying to think you know 
I don't know. I, I, it's, a, it's a tough one for me to answer because every time I think of something, do you put Led Zeppelin in there? And I don't want to put all 70s bands in there. I don't want to do that. I don't want to put all 80s bands in there. Uh, so it's kind of... Uh, now, who would you say your top five favorite bands? Uh, I mean, you know, definitely Kiss. Uh, I just, uh, I mean, I, I just almost out of respect, I say them in 40 years to still be somewhat relevant in terms of touring. Uh, Absolutely. That's unbelievable to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not a fan of their merchandising, the, like the Kiss condoms and beer coolers. And See, I am. That's the part that I like about them. I like that better than their music. But here's, I mean, you were a audience warm-up member, or not member, uh, audience, the, the, the audience warm-up on one of my favorite videos of all time, the great song written by Desmond Child, my favorite songwriter, Crazy, Crazy, Crazy Nights. Right, and I actually was part of the audience warm-up for that music video. Hold on for one second. Uh, so, so that was good, and I got to take a picture with Gene Simmons when he was underneath the stage, and I said, hey, can I just get a picture? Everybody's, and he goes, not now, dude, right. not now. But he later took with our tongues out, and I don't think he stuck it out very far. He's a good dude. I, I had dinner with him once. Did you really? We walked into Jerry's Deli, and uh, I was with my uh, girlfriend at the time, and they they knew each other because she used to manage Kiss when they were doing the convention uh, tours. Or she managed the conventions, not necessarily Kiss. And uh, we sat down, and uh, it was Gene, Paul, and their current uh, guitar player, Tommy Thayer, uh, who dresses up as Ace Freely. And, uh, Does he really? Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he had to reteach Ace the solos when Ace came back. Jeez, oh man! Ace was, you know, doing his, you know, solo shows and just playing sloppy, and and you know, Gene and Paul were more structured than he is, and uh, so we're having idle chit chat, and uh, my girlfriend uh, Shelley says to Gene and Paul, "Well, this is the guy you should ask what should be on the box set," and they both like looked at me like, "Who the fuck are you?" They didn't say that, but that's what their look was where we should ask you what should be on the box set. And I said, guys, I know what you're thinking. I'm the guy who's going to buy it. So, I <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not saying every song I told them that should be on that box set ended up being on it. So was it really? Yeah. Cause I was like, listen, in the nicest way possible, I'm a huge fan, all that stuff. You know, you gotta, you What's, know how to work a celebrity. You have to right. massage their ego. Absolutely. So What's, I, you know, what song did you think should be on there that wasn't? Um, there's a, uh, they have a lot of great demos from the eighties, really seventies uh, as well. But, uh, there was a song called sword and stone written by Desmond child. And it ended up being a hit for another band. Uh, and this, uh, German band called bonfire. They did a cover of it and, uh, the, you can get the kiss version on YouTube it's fully recorded. They just didn't release it. And it's just, it's a great 80s song. And, you know, I was like, Gene, Paul, listen, big fans, all that stuff. You guys are legends. But uh, no one wants to hear rock and roll all night again. We, we've got it on like eight different albums. Cold Gin, right. you know, people want to hear like the unreleased stuff. You know, they uh, had a couple songs they wrote with Brian Adams uh, on Creatures of the Night. You know, release that. Um, you know, see, I would almost disagree. In a box set, and I kind of get I get mad at people that put out best of CDs, and I realize never say anything. I remember when John Waite was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and 
the guys in the band knew John Waite. So he was a cool guy and they were talking. And I mean, some of the baby stuff that John Waite was part of was just spectacular. And one of the songs, they put out a best of album and they didn't have the song Every Time I Think of You. And I was like, that is just such a great song. And I was stupid enough that I asked him, I said, uh, hey, do you mind if I ask a quick question? Why wasn't that on your greatest hits album? Uh, I, I don't know. I remember thinking, I'm the biggest asshole alive. I don't think so. Uh, but it, I really did feel stupid. But I mean, like to me, as a, just a fan, like I love Springsteen's box set. Um, Which one? Well, uh, the oh, I forget what it's called. It's it's right. Uh, let me see. Is is it the one with like non uh, hits? Yes, it's right there. I can't. Yeah, it I just says. It. But I mean, it is literally five CDs of amazing songs that not one was released. Right, and it's like. And Jeez. I think that's, but Springsteen's to the point where he can do that. Kiss, I think that they should have put to, because you can never put all the songs that were supposed to be hits. Now, I should sometime, and I will do this later, I will call you and let you know uh, how many songs I have in my Kiss folder. Oh, Probably far less than you do, but I would think that my list of Kiss is the best you could possibly do. I mean, it's... Uh, I'm going to send it to you, actually. Well, please. I mean, I'm just more into the... Especially with a band like Kiss, who, uh, you know, they've got like seven greatest hits albums. Right. You know, three live... out, Four live albums, if you count the symphony one they did. And it's like, I love Detroit Rock City. It's probably my favorite song ever. Without but question. I, I've got a, on literally 20 of your 30 studio albums, Gene. And so, you know... But, you know... If you didn't put that on there, I and you put a box set out of the best of Kiss, I would be pissed. I mean, I wouldn't, but you know, I, but you know what? What might be interesting is that you might take those cuts and put out live versions that had never been released before of the 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 huge hits that they had. Yeah, something like that. I don't mind. Uh, you know, like at least with Kiss, you know, they. Uh, By the way, when you. <sighs> I'm sure you've heard this album. Do you remember when they had the, the uh, it was a tribute album? Uh, Kiss it, My Ass. Kiss My Ass. Like, Money, that was Money, cool. Money, Money, Boston's. But you know what my favorite song on there was? What? The Garth Brooks song. Well, Hard Luck Woman. Hard Luck Woman. He, but, he was great on that. But only Kiss would play on their own tribute record. Like, they're right. out of their minds. <laughs> right. I mean, no band on earth, uh, you know, would do that. And I actually like the Gin Blossoms. They did a great acoustic, and it totally works for rock and roll all night. Exactly. And um, I agree with you there, too. I love that. Lenny Kravitz did Deuce. Yep. That was Stevie good, Wonder too. was... Uh, Stevie Wonder was on that? Uh, he might have been doing the harmonica. Yeah. But I love the voicemail of the Boston's. Uh, they did Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Well, that's that's a little touchy subject with me right now. Oh, uh, oh, okay. Well, I just like the voicemail of right. the pompousness of Gene Simmons, right? Basically saying, uh, you know, Megadeth's going to do this song. Pick anything else, and then they go into Detroit Rock City. Like, you know, I love Gene. I mean, you know, just a bit the, of an ego. Bit of an ego. I, I don't. I argue with people a lot, and I'm his biggest fan. Uh, I don't think he's that great of a businessman. I think 
what he's smart is he never puts his own money into projects. Well, that's what they say. You never put your own money in. You got nothing to lose. But like his magazine tongue was awful. Uh, it was basically Maxim minus 100 pages, but with 40 advertisements for the Kiss beer cooler. And like it was <laughs> horrible. And his record label, he killed every band that was on Simmons Records. Uh, you know what I love about you? As ridiculous as some of the music that you like, you will defend it to the end. Well, but that's great. Well, but I um, like when I listen to music, when I go the few times I go to a movie now, uh, I want to be entertained. I don't right. care. Uh, you know, that's why I've always liked Kiss or, or Rat or Poison. Like when Poison sings Unskinny Bop, you don't have to go, oh, what's he talking about? He's talking about fucking. Right. You know, and, and C.C. DeVille, I met one night at Mel's Diner. Very cool. Uh, I you know where I, I met him all the time. He's uh, come over. I, I don't know if I add. Uh, at the... Uh, the, the Tropicana. Mud he was there constantly because his stepsister worked there as a bartender. And the sad thing is, I really, really, really liked that girl. She was so cool. She was so nice. And she worked at a strip club near Vegas. And one night there was a guy that got in a fight with a bouncer, came back, wait, was waiting for that bouncer to come out, door open, opened fire. It was her. And she was killed. Um, it was really, really sad. But I mean, yeah, no, I mean, there's. That's I'm glad why. that I ended on such a high note. No, no. Well, let me take it to a, a, a better note. Like when I met him at Mel's, you know, I'm a big Poison fan. I, I ran up to him and said, "Hey, man, I, I'm a huge fan. I, I loved your uh, cover of the Grand Funks. We're an American band." And he's like, well, "Where'd you get that? It's not out yet." And I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm like, uh, listen, I'm going to be honest. I illegally downloaded it. And I went to give him a dollar. And he's like, don't worry about it. That's how I get all my music, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I just love it when someone's nice to you. And like, absolutely. You know, Gene and Paul were incredibly nice. It's funny. The, the biggest dick was the guy that's in the band now playing Ace. He was kind of like, I said, hey, man, I loved you in black and blue. And he kind of like, oh, I'm above that now. It's like, uh yeah, what have you done bigger? Really? You know, I, I'd say one thing. That's how I judge a lot of people on Kimmel, how well they treat me. Well, yeah, because you're like, uh, and uh, you know I don't mean this probably the way it's going to come out, but I don't, like, they probably look at you as, oh, he's just a warm-up guy. Right, exactly. You know, and which anybody is... anybody who pays attention and shows, because I, I do know this, bands especially have always come out and talk about how great I did, because I really get the crowd juiced up. And it's kind of hard to go from a show and then boom, come on now, let's go rock, come on. And it's hard. Anyway. Well, well, well yeah, because, uh, you know, the show ends and then you got to shuffle the crowd out to usually the outdoor area if it's like Judas right. Priest or whatever. Right. Uh, or the smaller area. And it's like, okay, get the energy back up for a rock concert. Right. Very few people can do that. But before we go... First of all, this will be the first of many appearances. Thank you. Uh, no, thank you. I know you're a fucking busy guy. I know the game, I'll King Game, double overtime. I'll make time. Uh, what, uh, I'm going to put this out tonight. I'm going to break the rules. Uh, so do you, Monday, Ding Dong Show, anything special about it? or? I think there might be, but I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Monday night. 10 o'clock, the belly room. It follows uh, uh, Kill Tony. Uh, they just uh, ducktails right into each other. Uh, it's the best show in town. I mean, I, I'm a very selfish person. 
I don't like watching comedy. I want it's to do nice it. It's nice that Monday and Tuesday become something special at the comedy store. Yeah, Tuesday nights is the roast battle, which right. is, uh, you know, you've participated in a few in terms of like not, you haven't done the roast yet. There's possible one with Brody at some point. I think he'll chicken out. And, uh, you know the two but, but also push uh simply down the podcast i'm trying to do that every week uh, uh as a matter of fact a little clip from today is going to be on there and then of course my ding dong show is going to come back so and the big three every friday well not every friday every other week and in august 15th if you're around further details will be coming out soon but come and be part of this it's going to be crazy and on twitter you are simply don one and my facebook is don barris and that's the number one not number uh, one absolutely and where can people get windy city heat netflix uh, or is that not on it is on netflix but you know what i think if you've never seen it and you just want to check it out and you've never heard of it before it's on youtube somebody put it up on youtube so the entire movie's on there now how do you feel about that as an artist it's a great I, exposure but you're like you're not getting paid for it. i wouldn't wouldn't be getting paid no matter what so okay. i don't care all right, well, I mean, as a matter of fact, fuck Comedy Central as far as I'm concerned. Well, I I, uh, I may disagree with you there uh, just because I haven't been on it yet. So, I, I uh, yeah, here's my man in the middle. Uh, we'll close it out with me being the man in the middle. <laughs> well, thank you, Earl. I really had fun. This was really cool. You are a uh, icon up at the store and in comedy in general. You've always been nice to me. You've frankly given me uh, probably 98% of the stage time I've gotten there has been because of you. Wow. So, uh, you know, I thank well, you. Well, thanks, Earl. I'm glad we're friends. And I... And it was nice things you said at the beginning of the show. Oh, it's true. I, uh, I got to go get Mary Jane. You got to go get Mary Jane. This is uh, Inappropriate Earl with the one and only Don Barris. Does the warm-up for Kimmel. You can see him at the Comedy Store. Closing out the show every night. Monday night, Ding Dong Show, 10 o'clock. Uh, this is Inappropriate Earl. We're on SoundCloud. And for you Steve Jobs nutswingers, you can still go on iTunes. Uh, Stephen Piercy from Rat, back for more. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Lay it down. We're going to delve into the Desmond Child album detonator. He'll be in this week. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Re leave a review on iTunes. Uh, you know, I need to pump up the numbers. And we'll see you on the streets.